Hello, I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace, uh, the monthly magazine of the Royal Aeronautical Society. And with me today is Deputy Editor Steve Bridgewater. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Tim. How are you? Uh, very good, thank you. So uh, welcome to what we hope is the first of a, a, a new regular series of podcasts looking at global aviation, aerospace and space news and, uh, and looking at what we got upcoming in the next issue of aerospace, uh, this time April 2023. In the magazine, we cover everything from GA to spaceflight, from airliners to air airports, from air law to military aviation and everything in between for a global readership of 25,000 plus aerospace professionals that range from students to CEOs. Um, it's, a, it's a great magazine to be part of. It's a great magazine to, to edit, to be to write. And uh, we just want to share what we find out with uh, about this amazing world of aerospace uh, with, with you. So, Steve, what have you been up to in the past month? Well, it's been a busy month, hasn't it, Tim? Has been. Uh, I, I keep saying we need a bigger magazine just to fit in the news that's that's coming in. It's it's a, a really a really exciting time to be part of the aviation industry. You know, we're uh, yeah we're innovating back to the moon at the moment. We've got yeah we're on the cusp of the VTOL revolution. There's just so much going on. Um, but I think that one of the news stories that really stuck out for me this month, and I have to point, yeah, we're recording this at what, uh, about two o'clock on on Wednesday afternoon, and we're waiting to hear news about what's happening with the former RAF Scampton. That's true. Um, yes. It's a story that we uh, we we broke on uh, on our blog uh, a couple of weeks ago with the uh, 300 million pound investment that's going into the former RAF Scampton to turn it into a innovation centre looking at, um, you know, they, they've got this effectively, if you, if you draw a line up the A46 road from the Midlands up to the uh, to the east coast up in Lincolnshire, you've got so many universities and tech companies working in space and aerospace. You've got this A46 space corridor and uh, Scampton Holdings are looking at creating a big tech park there to really centre that uh, that innovation on on the former airfield and keep the airfield active and looking at actually keeping the heritage there with the, the Red Arrows link and the Dambusters link. And everything was going very well until the news broke that it was under consideration for a camp for asylum seekers. So uh, as we sit at the moment, we're waiting for the news either way as to whether that's been given the go ahead or not. So uh, it's a, a worrying situation. It's, it's um, you know, I think I'm writing saying Lincolnshire is one of the, you know, in the, certainly in the top five or the bottom five poorest counties in the UK. So this was £300 million worth of levelling up investment going into the area that uh, that the government didn't need to put in. And so um, it's it's a real concern. Yeah. So, I mean, as, I mean, in terms of heritage, obviously, it's famous for the Dan Busters. And I think, you know, if you were to if you were to name, you know, top top three um, REF airfields that, that the, the person or the the, the man, uh, woman in the street knows, you know, you'd go Duxford, Biggin Hill, Scampton, wouldn't you, as two? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Heard of. But what, what interests me as well and what, why I think this is significant as well is, um, you know, it's another airfield that could well be lost. You know, that the, the, the investment plan is to keep it as an operational airfield. And one of the things that's come out of the war in Ukraine is uh, the Western Air Force is, gosh, we need to go back to Cold War style dispersal. We need to think about alternate airfields. We need to think about missiles hitting your main bases. Yeah. Uh, and at the moment, it, it, everything's everything's tied up, isn't it? In, in, in the UK of, uh, right, OK, Coningsby, uh, Waddington, yep. Marham, uh, yep. Lossie. You're not, you're not really yep. giving. Rise. 
you're not really giving, giving the enemy military planners, uh, you know, kind of much, uh, you know, a, a much of a, a difficult job. So, so, no, so that no. that aspect of a, a, you know, keeping a nice big concrete runway available just in case you need it, you know, um, crazy. I think that's a, that's the crucial thing, isn't it? This was an active airfield up until what November, December last year. Yeah. So it's only. Yeah, it's uh, although some of the infrastructure is being removed. I know things like telephones in the control tower, but you've still got effectively an active airfield there. So that there must be better places that you can uh, create a, a facility that you're trying to do um, without destroying an active airfield. There must be yeah. uh, there must be sites out there that are better suited. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a worrying time. Uh, and you know, the other thing that caught my news this month, and I'm, I'm going to be the negative one, I think today, Tim. It's the last Reno air race this year. Yeah, oh. it's, um, I, I I was lucky enough to go out. I've been to Reno twice. I went out um, for the qualifying one year, and then I went out for the 50th anniversary in 2014. And it's such an amazing experience. Yeah. And I, I, I guess times change, and you know, it, it's evident that the, the local building population has sort of encroached on the airfield. Um, but it's such a shame, and I really hope the guys at, um, at RARA, the Reno Air Racing Association, managed to find a, a new venue for this. It's, um, it's all, it, it, yeah, it's just what yeah. If you stand out on the pylon and you hear those aeroplanes go by, and it doesn't matter whether it's the the pit special races or the T six Texans or the yeah the jets or even yeah the the big unlimited yeah the Mustangs and Sea Furies, it's a sound like like nothing else. It really is incredible. And the thing that struck me with Reno was it's not like going to an air show. Yeah, you 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 sit in the bleachers to to watch the show, and it's as though you're um or watch the races. It's as though you're at a sporting event. Yeah. You know, it's a different audience. It's a whole different and dynamic. You know, people are cheering for their favourite pilot and waving flags and scarves. It's almost like being at a baseball match or something like that. So I really hope this isn't the end of Reno, or it isn't the end of the air racing. It's obviously the end of Reno, but hopefully they can uh, they can find a, a site where they can carry on this i mean see next year this well this year will be the 59th year i mean they're just one shy of their 60th anniversary yeah. so it's a, a great great shame yeah it's definitely on my bucket sure. list to, to visit but there's there's good news though in terms of of uh electric racing isn't there or, or at least uh some some interesting uh stuff that's sort of popped up that we've got in our in our blueprint section we Air have. Um, yeah, we met up with Stephen Slido from uh, from Airspeeder. Um, if you've not seen Airspeeder, this is what would you say, Tim? It's almost like pod racing, isn't it? It's um, yeah, if like you've seen Star Wars Star... pod racing, <laughs> Star Wars pod racing, or, or a scaled up. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it started by looking like like a, a you know kind of a, a scaled up uh, consumer drone. You know, so so maybe maybe people have seen the first person. Uh, vision drones well imagine that if you made it really large so you could fit in with, with it but the, the new one looks really cool doesn't it oh it, it looks like a formula one car doesn't it you know it, yeah. it's got the aerodynamics of a formula one car uh and 225 miles an hour this thing's gonna go um you know it, it's a, a phenomenal um bit of kit as, as you say we've got it in the blueprint of the magazine this month and um I, i'm really excited about this we, we spoke to them at, at, at length and they're looking at having a series of races in 2024 around the world. And one of the beauties of this, it's not just that it's an electric or hydrogen powered craft. There is no environmental footprint at all, really, when they get to the site, because all of the gates that they're racing through are virtual. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it, yes, as, uh, as Stephen said, you, you, you could go to Greenland and Iceland and 
and have no impact on the environment at all, but race through some really spectacular countryside. And, and, and this is just made for television or made for streaming, isn't it? I mean, you, they're looking at having um, yeah, the, the, the courses projected onto the pilots, um, heads, almost like a head-up display, but within their visor. Uh, and that will be streamed into the, the live stream as well for spectators. So I think this is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they've you know done right, and uh, you know if you if you look at what uh, the the Red Bull air races, what what how how successful the air Red Bull air races were in going out and and reaching people who, you know, previously had no interest in you know never went to air shows, but they 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 turned up because oh this is this is something a bit a bit, a bit new and a bit exciting. You know that, that yeah. they've got it's got real potential there to 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 kind of get people excited about aviation, get people excited about electric aviation. You know, so that's really, really, really um, exciting. No, it is. I I, I agree with you, and it, it's um, yeah. As I said about Reno, it, it's a, a different dynamic, a different demographic that go to the races that go to a typical air show. So, if we can have you know you know a series of these and yeah ultimately they have plans for a formula one type series around the world what a great way to to get uh, a new generation inspired in flight you know with this is this is not the uh, any way shape or form a conventional airplane that you would think about but it still flies it still uses a lot of the same technology and if you think back to the 20s and the 30s a lot of the advancement in what is being uh, w- would become a conventional motor car started in motor racing and likewise in air racing you know if you yes, look back yep. to the, the long distance racing yeah the king's cup the, you know, even Lindbergh and orcock and brando across the atlantic it was all that that pursuit of prizes and competition that drove innovation forwards and i think hopefully that will be what airspeeder are doing here in that some of these technologies that are developed for these racing vehicles yeah, will yeah. eventually morph into the ev tolls and urban air mobility and advanced air mobility vehicles of the future yeah definitely um so talking about electric uh, uh, uh keeping on the theme of electric stuff here there's also something else you've, you've spotted in the news that's uh, quite interesting yeah yeah I, I i thought this was a really interesting piece and it, it's um a kansas-based startup and uh, they, they're called the aircraft company which i think perhaps uh, might need a little bit of work on but uh, they've announced plans to uh, to produce a hybrid electric regional airliner as a lot of people have yeah 400 kilometers zero emission range uh, or 800 kilometers with reduced mission emission range however the the really unusual thing is this thing has been designed to accommodate passengers in wheelchairs so rather than adapting an existing airplane to accommodate people with restricted mobility this has been designed from day one to actually have a cabin and a full interior access that is fully accessible, and I think that's just a really interesting concept. Well, I mean, it, it makes you know, I mean, as, as uh, it makes good, really good business sense as well, because there's there's uh, there's aging populations, uh, yeah. you know, uh, everywhere. I was going to yeah. say at least, uh, uh, you know, m- mostly, you know, mostly in the West, but uh, you know, China as well. So yeah. you know, pe- people with uh, people with reduced mobility or uh, difficulties with eyesight, hearing, etc. You know, you, you're going to have to accommodate these. Think about accommodating, uh, uh, you know, uh, this this segment of the population more and more. You know, we're yeah. all going to be there. Yeah. We're all going to be there, there one day, and we're all still we're all going to still want to, to travel. So absolutely, um, I mean, yeah. that's right. I mean, if you look at if you look at the way that air travel has bounced back post COVID. 
you know, it, it has, I think, beaten most people's projections and that's only going to grow. So, you know, we, we need to be looking at these new propulsion techniques to obviously limit the carbon footprint, but also, as you say, making it as accessible as possible. And I think that's what this company have got down to a T. But, yeah. So. So what's so, what's caught your eye this month, Tim? What what have you uh, been so obviously, excited on? Well, so obviously the start of this um, start of this uh, year we had uh, the USCF going hog crazy on on shooting down people's balloons, uh, <laughs> yes. hostile or otherwise over the US. And now obviously the uh, you know big news there was um, Russian flanker having a midair with a reaper. Oh yes. uh, over yeah. the Black Sea um and uh well you know incredible video there from the reaper operators who are watching this thing come up and and, and um attempt to drop well, fuel. It dumped, I, I, yeah it dumped fuel didn't it so i i assume they were they were trying to starve the engine of fuel and get it to, to get it to, to to come down and and uh and mm-hmm. then miscooked it and um yeah hit it and and dinged the propeller and the the, the uh propeller apparently you know obviously uh, you know, sort of started vibrating and what have you. Reaper operators then steered it to a safe area and put it down and and, and all the rest of yeah. it. Uh, not sure, uh, you know, whether whether who's managed to recover it, whether whether the Russians have got it. If they have, well, you know, Reaper's been around for quite a few years, so I don't think there's any, yeah, any yeah. massive trade secrets being you know secrets being being found there. Uh, and the flanker pilot got a got a medal for it. <laughs> I, I know for what, what poor, appeared to be pilot error. <laughs> poor poor airman ship, and you get a pilot error. But I mean, this is, um, I mean, it, it, luckily, it is uh, an unmanned, uh, un, yeah. sorry, uncrewed. Uh, we're, we're trying to move to uncrewed. It's an uncrewed uh, aerial vehicle, it's a drone. Uh, nobody was hurt on, on the, the US, the Russian side, but it, it shows how. Uh, you know, back to the kind of Cold War we've gone now in these sort of encounters uh, of, you know, close encounters yeah. and, and things yeah. like that. And, and you know, the Cold War, um, there were aircraft being, you know, there were crude aircraft being shot down, you know, C- C-130s and, and, and uh, spy planes and things like that. Uh, so, yeah. um, But this just appeared to be reckless, didn't it? The, yeah, yeah it just appeared to be reckless. And one one thing that, that you know, it, that, that makes me think... Um, the shooting down of the so so obviously the, the the Chinese balloon that drifted across the U.S. was was drifting across the U.S. and uh, therefore you know you're, you're you're transiting someone's sovereign airspace there you're not you're not off the coast uh, doing that so so it's it's it, you're you're fair game there but the, the the Americans I think by shooting down have also maybe given um, a little bit of Credence or, or um, to the Chinese or Russia, you know, doing the same thing to their drones. Yeah. So yes, yeah, you know, um, uh, some kind of global hawk or the uh, the navy equivalent of that Triton, you know, uh, mm-hmm. would, would would China now go? Oh, hang on, you know, that, that's uh, that's that's pottering about our, you know, Taiwan, you know, where where we're doing up to something or doing exercises. Yeah. Is a is is a global hawk now fair game? You know, interesting question. Yeah. It's a worrying escalation, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, so okay. Yeah. So other other stories that that, that uh, came out. So we we had the first uh, uh, sort of like you know initial permanent accident investigation or or accident uh, findings from the Yeti Airlines ATR seventy two uh, crashed in January. Uh, <laughs> terrible um, terrible accident and uh, killing all seventy two on board. 
and uh, initial accident inquiry comes out of that so it's, it's looking strongly like uh, it's uh it's, it's pilot error uh, and pulling I, the... I mean, just gobsmacking wasn't it it was like it's, what a what a remarkable thing yeah it's you know the the simplest of errors it appears to be yeah so it's important to stress here is that we, we can't speculate on the final cause and, and and it's important to to not uh sort of jump to conclusions uh you know obviously uh, one of the things you, you you find out after covering uh accidents and aviation for for uh for a few years is that uh very often the first thing that people point to uh and people sort of jump to oh it's it's weather or it's or it's this or it's uh you know um uh, sabotage uh, tends not to be um, the, yeah. the the case, but in the, in this one, they've recovered the, the the cockpit data, voice and data recorders, and it looks like um, you know the wrong lever was pulled. So the 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 throttle is next to the fr uh, flap prop levers. They're differently shaped, so you shouldn't mm -hmm. make uh, a a mistake like that. But obviously, if you pull them both back and you you're on, on the the final phase of approach and you, you put your, air, your your engines to idle uh, it's going to take they're not instantly reacting uh you know mm. stuff doesn't happen instantly and you're only going to have some sort of seconds to to realize oh you know i pulled the wrong thing back um i i need power again so um uh, a, a tragic accident but but it it also highlights something that our flight operations group have been working on and, and being uh talking about some members of our flight operations group i should uh, just just point out about um manual handling and uh, yeah. you know pilot skills and uh how um you know this has come back into focus aviation is very 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 safe industry extremely safe extremely low low accident rates but there is a there is a uh, among some pilots, some operators, uh, and some experts. There is a uh, so a, a nagging unease uh, that we've had a few uh, close calls. Uh, so we'll probably talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. What else is? What else we got? Um, well, yeah, we cover aerospace and space in the magazine. What, what about space stories? What's been happening in the space world this month? Well, oh, this is this is another ongoing story that is is breaking as we speak. So Virgin Orbit is in a bit of trouble. Um, we, of course, yes. They um, they obviously had the unsuccessful space launch from uh, the UK back in back in January, um, and uh, on the 60th of March they said that they were going to be sort of ceasing operations and furloughing staff uh, to mm. get a uh, cash injection a rescue plan investment plan uh, because they're burning yeah. through quite a bit a bit of cash there now so so a virgin orbit if you in case you didn't know it's a very innovative uh, small satellite launcher uses a converted 747 launches a uh, a small rocket and the the idea with that is it's responsive um, access to space so instead of you you taking your satellite to um to uh, you know, kind of Cape Canaveral and waiting for the next yeah. um, bus, you, you book an Uber and you get there where <laughs> where yeah. and when you are. You know, the the, the 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 rocket comes to you. So really, yeah. really interesting idea, really innovative idea. And they they were looking at the um, what they were, they, they were hoping for is that the the the, the boom in small satellites and the, the mm. massive explosion in people wanted to put you know lowering costs of getting to orbit so you know you've not got states doing it now you're not doing it to big big corporations but you've got 
universities, small startups, um, <laughs> uh, you know, innovators, tech centers, uh, colleges, even. Um, um, so, you know, it, it's 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 interesting. One is is to to what happens there. So obviously, people are looking at sort of spaceport Cornwall. What does that? Yeah. Does that still going? I mean, the good thing about it is that. Um, because it's 747 based, uh, there's not much, you know, you, you're not building a launch pad there. You're not building a, um, uh, you know, a giant gantry, hydrogen tanks, yeah. all the rest of it. Uh, you've, got, you've literally got a satellite uh, integration facility and a runway. So, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, so it's not, not directly tied to that. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you need another horizontal operator to come in, I think. It, it, it sounds like just the sort of thing you want to base out of somewhere like, oh, I don't know, maybe R.S. Scampton. <laughs> well, there's a, there's another there's another uh, uh, company there uh, who is uh, talking about uh, uh, lobbing, lobbing, dropping rockets out of the back of uh, chartered C-17s from Presswick. Yep. Yeah, there's there's definitely a market there, isn't there? Um, well, so, I mean, uh, yeah, well, I mean, be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, at least in the UK. So, so we obviously, it's a, a, the, the whole failed launch, and uh, you know, Virgin Orbit. Um, whatever happens with Virgin Orbit, it would be a would, would kind of be a blow to 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 the UK space hopes and what have you. It's been a bit of a setback, but the amount of other uh, companies, launch systems, uh, spaceports that are there waiting in the wings uh, means we'll probably get there one way or the other. Um, you know. Whatever yeah. happens, yeah. and there's some more juicy news, isn't there? There is. The juice is ready to be set loose. So, um, <laughs> big news for for European space in that the first um, first spaceport, uh, the first European probe uh, to go to uh, Jupiter, uh, ESA's Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer, is set to. Uh, uh, that's where to, juice comes from. Okay. Yeah, is set to launch in uh, in April. Uh, from uh, French Guiana uh, using an Ariane 5. Uh, it's going to take a bit of a leisurely um, trip to get there. It's going to do a bit of some, some flybys um, and get there at tw in 2031. So, uh, yeah, it okay. should be a, a, a big, big landmark scientific um, space mission for Europe. Brilliant. And that's, what, as I was saying at the start of the show, it's such an exciting time. To be part of the aerospace industry, isn't it? We've got all these these amazing things going on again. So um, yeah, yeah, great stuff. But uh, so we had a good day out this month, didn't we? We yeah, it's very did. rare that it's very rare that Tim and I go to the same place. We normally s split our resources, but we, there was somewhere we couldn't resist both going. So we were both fascinated by it, and that was Hill Helicopters um, in Staffordshire. So uh, yes. it was great, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah, so this is an upcoming feature in and uh, our front cover uh, special for the April issue is Hill Helicopter. So really, really interesting company. Now, we'd, we'd, we'd seen about this. They've been on our radar and uh, they've been promising a luxury helicopter for, so a five-seat, five isn't it? Yeah, five-seat. Yeah, uh, five-seat yeah. five luxury helicopter, retractable undercarriage for about half a million pounds. With a turbine engine as well. With a turbine, which, which is just, you know, I mean, so you, you look at that and you think, oh, that's, you know, is this is this is this right? Have I have I read this right? Is the does <laughs> yeah. the um, you know, is is the, is the price here right, or does it need a few zeros, a few more zeros after it? Yeah. Um, we're not yeah, quite it, sure. Yeah. 
but um, I, I look at the uh, you know a, a visit to to Hill and Dr. Jason Hill. He uh, you know he gave us a, a, a VIP tour, showed us around his 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 workshops, his development centre, uh, and we came and you know well, I, I I'm pretty convinced actually. I, I think he's, mm-hmm. he's a, a really interesting guy in 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 doing um, putting his money where his mouth is and doing what SpaceX did for rockets in in vertical integration. Vertical integration is how you cut the costs, how you keep costs down. Yeah. You know, you develop your own engine, you make it a greatest hits of um, you know, previous turbines. Uh, you machine everything in house. Yeah. You do as much as as, as in house. I think the only thing the only thing is he's doing out, you know, externally is the is the the uh, the mapping. And that's, the that's flight. Yeah, I mean, they're even, even yeah. developing their own avionics, aren't they? I mean, yeah, it seems yeah. crazy. I mean, why why would you put all that risk? You know, you, not only are you building a, a, you know, an airframe from scratch, but you're building your own engine from scratch. You're building your own avionics, everything in-house. Why would you do that? And then you go and speak to, to Jason and, and you see why, don't you? It, it, you know, there's a, a lot of companies that are, are, are referred to as disruptors at the moment, yes, but I really yeah. think Hill are. They've really, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I guess we've got to look back. What 50, 60 years? Well, it's fifty years, isn't it, since Frank Robinson did yes, the R twenty two, which which really revolutionised small helicopters. And I think, yeah, I, I'm reasonably confident we're looking here at the next Robinson. Yeah, the next Frank Robinson disrupting the market. Yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing is, he's he's, he's uh, well, not, not I wouldn't say he's been completely ignored, uh, but he's he's just gone under everybody's radar, and, and um, you know gone gone direct to the people like him who are, are you know helicopter pilots, helicopter owners, helicopter operators who have been dying out, saying, oh, we want we want this kind of thing, why can't we? And also that this new, you know, targeting the the, the supercar owners, the the the, the sort of rich but not too rich people but who yeah. are who are interested in the idea of helicopters you know and they're oh great yeah. you know and then they go and look at a helicopter and it's, it's what did you say something like that um you go and look at a bell jet ranger and it smells of your your nan's um <laughs> <laughs> your nan's parlor the, i think was the phrase yeah wasn't it? yeah so it, 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 i can't remember the exact exact quote so um but um but yeah, I mean, it, but it, it's it, the same. If you get in a lot of GA airplanes, I've flown small airplanes for many years, and you, things that you would expect in a car aren't yeah. in the average general aviation airplane. Even as simple as an air vent that actually blows air in the right direction, you know, or you get you know, if you got into your car and it smelt of fuel, you'd worry about it. But you get into a you know a, a Cessna one five two or something like that, and it does. And I think there's this. If we're trying to attract new people into aviation, and as, as you said, Jason's targeting the, you know, the Aston Martin owner, for example, yeah, they, they want the same level of comfort in their helicopter as they do in the car that they've driven to the airfield in. So, yeah, there is definitely a need for something like this. And, and yeah, it, it's a really nice looking bit of kit as well, isn't it? It's a yes. really sexy helicopter. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? A bit no, of airwolf no. about it, I think. Yeah, no, docile, easy to fly. I mean, I, I, I can say, I mean, you, one of the th- one of the amazing things that that's well, you know, the things that sort of struck me, um, uh, you know, kind of when you look at the R twenty twos and R forty fours, you know, sort of um, well, pictures of our R twenty twos and R forty fours is obviously, you know, the, the flight training people will go and, and go and learn to fly on them, but the amount of them that have you see with um 
searchlights hanging off them or um mm-hmm. you know kind of cameras now or, or little bits of sort of like you know being used as working helicopters you know and, and so because they're, they're, they're so cheap aren't they you know so you've got yes, like right. sheriff yeah. sheriff's departments in the u.s it's like yeah well we'll yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have an r44 why not you know <laughs> we haven't yeah. got much no, money yeah, absolutely um so yeah. so so with something like this you can get a turbine version you know, yeah and i mean the other thing that struck me with Jason is he's he's created this whole network of of people, hasn't he? He's got his app which goes with the helicopter. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as he said, yeah, if, if you're in the uh, the category where you can afford to buy a half million pound plus helicopter, you've you've probably done quite well in business. And you, he said, so I, I listen to these people if they have a suggestion on some the way to do things. I, yeah. So he's been very interactive, hasn't he, with his his potential audience. Yeah, I mean his his uh, so um, so this is uh, I mean this is a real recommendation actually if you if you want to if you are a a helicopter nut or you're interested in innovation go and watch the Hell Helicopters YouTube channel because he's gosh I mean there's hours and hours of uh, footage on there hours and hours of of, of sort of Jason explaining you know in quite quite deep technical detail. So, you know, why he's doing what he's doing, uh, you know, uh, composites, the challenges of composites, uh, the engine, machining, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all in it's all in great detail. There's nothing, you know, he says there's, a, there's one or two things there that are kind of IP uh, sensitive yeah. uh, that you can't talk about. But there's there's no sort of secret source in there. It's it's, it's like this is a helicopter. We, we know how to, to build them. All we're yeah. doing is, um, you know, we're, we're attacking it at the problem at scale. We're, we're doing it all in house. Uh, yeah, because the, yeah, the, there is supply chain issues we know across the industry at the moment, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that's driven Jason, isn't it, to try and do things in house, but also to keep the costs down. Yeah. You know, didn't he give us an example of one particular component? Um, it was it's like a turbine blade or something, wasn't it? Which he said if he'd gone out to industry to have it made, it would be something like eighteen thousand pounds, and yes. he reckoned he could make it in house for about four hundred quid or something like that. Yeah, and, um, and it, so and it, yeah, and he'd, he'd get it on time as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, no risk of your, of your supplies putting the price up halfway through your production run. So yeah, uh, yeah so I, I I went in reasonably skeptical. Um, uh, but I, I came out definitely converted. I think, um, you know, if, if if Jason can make this work, this is, yeah, really, really quite revolutionary. And they're, they're you know, they're applying for planning permission at the moment for their factory to to build. What is it? Um, how many? Well, how many? They got on back order at the moment, Tim. It's sort of six, seven hundred, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, seven hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's paid deposits, isn't it? So, um, you know, it's not just letters of intent. So it's obviously doing something right. Yeah. So, so that's our that's our cover feature this month, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the so the other important one is uh, the other important one and uh, very very topical article we, we have in there uh, is uh, FAA handling skills uh, article. So that has been written by uh, a couple of members of the our flight operations group. Uh, <laughs> and that is looking at uh, a new focus on. Um, a decline on in manual handling skills in airline pilots. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a big, big turnaround uh, by the US FAA, and it's now recommended that airlines should allow pilots to hand fly during no- normal operations whenever possible. Steve, how, how how significant do you think this is? Oh, if you look at the yeah, since just before Christmas, there've been quite a few instances with runway incursions where people yeah there, there was one recently where an aircraft performed a go around 
Um, and I, I think this is that uh, John and and the, and the guys that have, have pulled this together have have really hit the nail on the head. You know, we've we've have a a generation of airline pilots now that are not flying the entire airplane on autopilot, but then that skill of actually hand flying the airplane is perhaps a dying skill, and that's that's quite a worry. I mean, look back to to Sully and the uh, you know the miracle on the Hudson, as it's referred to. Uh, you know, Sully was a glider pilot. And it makes you wonder, you know, without those hand flying skills that Sully had, whether yeah, it would have been a different story at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really important factor. Exactly, exactly. And um, I, I'm just curious though as to, I mean, this this is guidance from the FAA, so this is not uh, this is not mandatory. Uh, but I, I just wonder what sort of pushback they will get in that, uh, you know, the, the airlines sort of saying, look, well, we we don't want we don't with all the best will in the world, we don't want our our our, our, our pilots. Uh, Using our passengers as sort of like you know sort of training training tools you know yep. while they're, well you know if you're if you're, le- you're learning but um, hopefully this will well, this will yeah I, I think you're, yeah you're right and we we had an interesting comment on Twitter as well which we've reproduced in the in the, our transmissions page this month from a pilot saying this is all well and good but you try hand flying an aeroplane around the London TMA after an eight hour transatlantic night crossing yeah so I think yeah. there needs to be yeah. The, this is not mandatory at all time. There is a time and a place for hand flying, um, but it, it's good to see that the FAA is making a recommendation, and be interesting to see how much traction it gains. Yes, uh, as as well as another comment about uh, we have more another feedback about uh, people using the hand flying to train for the sim test. Yes, of course. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So uh, yes, yeah, so what else? We, what else other features have we got? So uh, you've been writing about um, GA and um, their, their dirty little Leddy, secret. Yeah, Leddy tell us fuel. more. It's something. Well, it's something a lot of people don't realise. You know, we um, we stopped selling leaded fuel on the the garage floor. Yeah, the four star fuel that you put in your car, what twenty plus years ago. Um, but we're still putting leaded fuel in our small aeroplanes around the world. And why is that? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Lead replacement petrol, you know, came in what was 25 years ago in the UK, um, and there are some engines that will run on MoGas motor fuel, particularly the smaller engines like Rotaxes. But when you've got a certified aeroplane that's got a Lycoming or a Continental or an engine along those lines, it's a case of y- you need the certification in place to to change that fuel. There are now unleaded fuels available in the US. Um, this has been driven very much by demand, particularly in areas like California, where local authorities are now banning some airfields from selling laid fuel. So it's, uh, I guess it's supply and demand. This has now driven this need for a, uh, a lead replacement or unleaded fuel. Um, so the question is, why is this not, why is it taking 25 years to get where we are? And why are we still using that fuel? And the worrying thing now is that it's starting to be picked up by some of the mainstream media. So um, I know that a lot of the the UK UK groups, so the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, the Light Aircraft Association, all of those groups have have, have got together now with a a letter which um, has, has effectively put the argument out there to explain why. And, you know, the answer is we need government backing. We need government to make unleaded fuel available, whether that's in terms of subsidising it or just 
helping get the infrastructure in place because there are very few airfields in the UK or in the world, really, that you can buy unleaded UL91 fuel. Um, and of course, it's still vastly more expensive than the standard low lead 100 LL fuels. So it was something we, we, we felt needed a look at and yeah. just trying to, to get the message out there that, um, you know, the the industry, the GA industry, general aviation industry is trying to make advances here. And it would be uh, appropriate, we think, now for, for some sort of governmental support on it. Well, I mean, it's, it's important, though, to keep you in, in perspective, isn't it? Because it, it's, it, you know, GA is, 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 is kind of like a tiny fraction of, you know, it's anywhere. A absolutely. Of commercial a aviation in terms of, you know, what, what a... What a what a what a a triple seven will sort of spit out in terms of emissions just in one Absolutely. flight. Yeah. No, that that's exactly the case. But unfortunately, it's starting to be picked up by the mass mass media now. So we need to get that message across, and that's yeah. what we're trying to do with this feature. In that, no, it's not a big it's not a big problem in the in the grand scheme of things, but it's something that could quite easily be easily be cured. And what about the what about the the people who have the um, so we talked about the Reno air races before. What about the people who have the the Warbirds and the the, the Merlins and your, your Pratt and Whitney's and your your, your you know the, the Warbird community who are are you know they 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 want their hundred hundred octane hundred and twenty octane because they're they're flying uh, you know flying these great aircraft around the star uh, skies and keeping them airborne. Is this gonna is this gonna ground them? Well. You would hope not. And my prediction is no, because the, the company that's developed this fuel in the US is called GAMI, G-A-M-I. And uh, their 100 UL fuel is actually certified or approved for an STC, a supplemental type certificate in the US, for use in Merlin and those type of engines. So uh, they actually say on their website um, that tests at full takeoff power demonstrate that our fuel is superior even to the old 145 purple Avgas used in DC-7s and Constellations. Um, so it, it does not see a problem with Warbird operation. And I spoke to Rolls-Royce quite recently about a separate article that we've got coming up. And they've got the, the Spitfire, the Griffin-powered Spitfire 19, and they've also got a P-51 Mustang with a Merlin in. And they are starting investigating ways to convert those engines to run on unleaded fuel. That's a project they've got on this winter. So, again, it's something which is on the radar for the historic aviation community. Um, and, you know, Hopefully, we are uh, in a situation where the products are now in place to, uh, I mean, to, uh, to 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 facilitate the the onward going of, of these flights. Because, you know, could you imagine the day when we don't see a Spitfire in the air? It's, yeah. uh, it doesn't bear thinking about. So, you know, it's you know, hopefully the Gammy and Swift Fuels and these companies that are working on on these products have uh, found the product we need. Fantastic. All right. Um, so the other ones, the articles we've got in this month, um, Aerospace is a global publication going out to a global readership. Uh, we've got some nice global coverage of what's happening around the world, haven't we? So uh, first off with a report on what's happening with uh, African Air Forces, African military uh, procurement trends. Uh, so yeah. obviously a lot of, a lot of uh, people buying Chinese uh, drones, Chinese fighters, uh on in in africa um you know sort of a, obviously low cost uh yeah. and uh, and building up the you know mainly mainly kind of thing for for counterinsurgency coin uh type of um yeah type of uh sort of like you know kind of missions 
uh, and what's happening on the on the you know the the, the uh, continent there you know uh, so uh, you know I mean, there is and then you've also got lots of turbo props coming in from Europe and the US as well haven't you, you know, the, yeah the Super Tucano is popular out in Africa Super Tucano. but then you've got in yeah, indigenous aircraft like the the Paramount I'm, I'm going to make an atrocious attempt at pronouncing <laughs> this one but the Moari the MWARM Moari turboprop which yeah. is a bit like um. It's Bronco? like a mini Bronco, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a mini Bronco. yeah, it's like a Bronco. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a it's a good looking aircraft, uh, and it has got yeah. some it has got some sort of sails. Uh, they've got I don't know three or three maybe four, uh, mm-hmm. but to, to unknown uh, customers. So it'll be interesting to see uh, whether that makes uh, you know what 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 what. Uh, uh, progress that makes uh, whether they can make a breakthrough in the market um yeah i mean best yeah. of luck to them as well yeah uh, and there's also an interesting and, thing there on the you know south african air force so that's been in a bit of a, a parlous state in 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 in, uh, in recent years uh, low availability lack of cash um uh, aging aircraft you know grounded they've recently returned the uh, grippens to flight i think um yes they have yeah yeah. So, um, but they, you know, they're still doing. I mean, maritime patrol is still done by DC threes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, yeah, turboprop DC threes, isn't it? the Basler Basler aeroplanes? Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, looking across, you you've got that mix, haven't you, of, of Chinese aeroplanes like the um, um, the uh, or the or Pakistani the the JF seventeen. Yeah. Uh, in operation in Nigeria, then you've got Cessna caravans, and then you've got the Hercus, the uh, the Turkish turboprop. Yes, so yeah, there's a yeah. real mismatch or mix match of of aeroplanes with different air arms there, and it's it's been interesting to see how this develops over the over the next decade. I think. Yeah, and I, I can see I can see obviously China uh, moving in there to to supplement Russia as the sort of like you know the the key provider as well because you know one. Um, Russia, you know, Russia's hit by uh, by sanctions. Uh, you know, so if you're yeah. if you're a country there and you think, oh, wow, I quite like some flankers, but if I place an order for flankers, um, you know, is the U.S. going to then nobble that 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 order? Or are they going to sanction me, et cetera, et cetera? But yeah. also, the the lacklustre performance of you know Russian equipment kit um, in Ukraine. Uh, that's got to affect sales, you know, into, uh, sales overseas as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we've also looked at India in this issue as well, haven't we? We have, it was Aero yeah. India last month. Yeah. Um, so that was, so that was India, I mean, yeah. the, the, there's a lot going on in India, isn't there? Um, well. With, um, you know, prototypes of, um, you know, new uh, new trainers, new helicopters, attack aircraft. It's, it's, it's. Um, I mean, did you see the, um, the, the, the new HLTF-42, the, uh, the HAL trainer? reminds yeah. me of something yeah so that looks like a, a, a i don't know a, 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 a mirage f1 maybe in the 21st yeah, century mirage f1 jaguar oh, there's almost a bit of yeah. nat about it it's a fallen nat it, it isn't it it's a great yeah. looking machine yeah it's a great looking machine it's not, it's not um, particularly sort of stealthy though is it you, you look at it you, no. go, you, you don't go kind of like it was stealth or the, the the usual sort of like you know kind of where everything looks the same uh, these yep. days, or you, you know, you, you, you know, M three four six and the the the, the Yak uh, trainer and, and things like yep. that. Um, yeah, it. it no, this it, has it, certainly not come out the same channel yeah. because it, this has definitely got its own character to it. Yeah. So, um, so that's one to watch for the future. 
Yes. Um, but um, I mean, lots of big announcements coming out of it, Arrow India, actually. It's, um, but it was a big show, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, um, yeah. They've got 800 exhibitors there, but interestingly, 699 of them from India. So it just shows what a hotbed of development there is out there in India at the moment with the, in the aerospace industry. Well, the, I mean, the, the 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 idea is obviously to do as much in house as possible, um, yeah. and uh, and uh, so so you know, sort of trainers, helicopters. I think the the difficulty is maybe where you get into things like uh, the high end fifth, sixth generation, um, yeah, kind of platform. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with that uh, because you know one of one of the, the, the previous uh, tie-ups uh, that was sort of speculated was um, you know with, with with Russia you know the SU-57 you know is, is would they would yeah. they partner on on with Russia on on, on the SU-57 um, that now I think that's to, unlikely now yeah that now appears to be <laughs> di- uh, dead they've got something there called advanced medium combat aircraft uh, mm-hmm. that's aimed at 2035 um, so the, 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 the question then is really is they can they you know can they develop it all in-house uh, for, mm-hmm. for a sixth gen fighter or will they have to think about oh hang on you know, what, what else is out there can we uh, and the, the two obvious um, candidates there would be you know the global combat air program stroke tempest or the franco-german scaf yeah so um you know the so the french french obviously they've got they've got uh you know they're already involved there with mirage and uh you know rafale so They've got a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a kind of a head start, really. There, uh, if you like, uh, as the the kind yep. of incumbent in in current fighters. Um, but you know, the the next one is is kind of um, you know um, more open, I think, to, uh, mm. to 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 kind of opportunities, especially if if the if the global combat air program. So they've already got Japan on yep. board. Yeah. Um, and and one of the things with, with with that is is you know you can make it locally you can modify it locally you can yeah. sell it if you like so whereas the 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 franco german one is is more based at least uh, to, in, in my um understanding to uh, you know kind of uh, supporting daso and 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 airbus in um you know sort of germany um yes yeah. So well, it's interesting we we talk about you know the British and French influence there. I mean Atul Chandra who wrote the report for us makes the point that um, there's a, a market in in India over the next 25 years for around 1500 fighters, trainers and military helicopters. But he says to put that into perspective over the last 70 years India's ordered 2400 aircraft and helicopters all of which were British and French. So um there's def- there's a there's a pattern of of trade there, isn't there, between India and and Britain and France? So it'd be interesting to see whether it's GCAP or or the European option that that appears uh, to be the preference there. Or I mean, what about KF twenty one? Because we've got KF twenty one in this issue as well, haven't we? The Korean uh, aircraft, which sure. I know is a, you know is is a generation behind, but that's making great leaps in in in, in uh, its development, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got a we've got a, a, an article here looking at the uh, the 
the input of uh, wind tunnels to the the KF twenty twenty one you know kind of uh, young eagle borrow yeah. Uh, yeah young eagle young eagle um, uh, fighter program and again like, yeah they only only today or yesterday they were um, the prototype was was releasing meteor missiles yeah. wasn't wasn't firing yeah. them. But they were doing a, mm-hmm. a live weapons release less than a year after the thing has flown. They've also yeah, flown. Didn't it, it flew July. It was July because it was July. during Harbour Week that the prototype July. flew, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, uh, the, the two seat version flew earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. So the speed in which they are are accelerating this is uh, is is pretty incredible. Yeah, and interesting that the wind tunnel work was done here in the UK. Part, yeah, part of the wind 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 tunnel was 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 here, was here yeah. So uh, so uh, yeah, in UK, US, and France and South Korea. But it's an interesting insight into what notionally you might look at and go, well, that's a national program, isn't it? You know, it's got Korea and it's got Indonesia in it, um, but it's got these global um, suppliers, global partners, uh, and that they get they you know they're involved in its development. So yeah. Really interesting stuff. Mm. So that was last month. What have we got coming up? What have we? What have you got on your calendar for the next month or so? Right. Well, what are interesting or doing anything? Or? What, 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 what upcoming events and shoutouts? Shall we? Shall we have a look at that? Well, yeah. So yeah. So April, um, folks, if you are in London, southeast of England, God, if you're anywhere, just just put it anywhere. Put it in your diary. Twentieth uh, <laughs> of April. We are doing the RES Aviation Quiz. Uh, so um, some some listeners, uh, uh, some uh, uh, listeners may have been to a previous Royal Aeronautical uh, uh pub quiz, as it was called back in the day, <laughs> pre-COVID, and it is returning. So um, grab your thinking hats, uh, get your um, get your best sort of. Um, uh, sort of like you know, kind of um, get researching in your in your your observers book of aircraft. Get your Bill Gunsters out uh, for uh, the, the the quiz to end all quizzes. You know, are you a, are you a true av geek or not? Uh, we are setting. Steve and I are are involved in this. Steve is the quiz master, uh, so um, it's going to be a it's going to be a really fun night, isn't it, Steve? Are you looking forward to this? I'm re- I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be great because. For me, as as well as being a quiz, it's just it's a great chance to socialise because you don't have to be an Aeronautical Society member to come to this. We're opening up the doors of Hamilton Place for Hamilton Place, our incredible headquarters to anybody who wants to come in for the quiz. So come and come and see us. And I think it's just nice. It's a Thursday evening. So it's that I know a lot of us are working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now in in the city or in, in London. So it's that nice sort of end of the working week. Let's go and do something sociable. So, yeah, maybe looking forward, we can do a few more of these type things. Yep. Uh, so teams of teams of four to six. But if you come along yep. on the night, uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll set you up at a team uh, cash cash bar. I think the f- first drink free. I think I'm I'm, I'm first drink, second. Yeah. Uh, first, yeah. First drink is free. <laughs> and uh, and 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 amazing, fantastic prizes being lined up. So yeah, be there or be square. What what else have we got yeah. coming up, uh, Steve? Uh, we've got the annual banquet, which is always the highlight, isn't it? Which I think it's the 11th of May this year. Um, who's the guest of honour this year, Tim? So it is going to be Glyn Shotwell, who is uh, chief 
yeah, Chief Operating Officer of SpaceX. So that is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, obviously, Elon uh, gets all the gets all the headlines. Uh, 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 Gwyn is, is the one who actually makes it work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, you know, they, they are about, uh, you know, if rumours are right, they're about to launch um, Starship on its first yeah. orbital, uh, you know, uh, mission in the near near future. Actually, I think, you know what, I think they, they, they're talking about 20th of April for it. Ah, well, well we could have a live feed, live feed during the quiz then. <laughs> quiz, quiz night of Starship and Starship. Um so yeah, that that is going to be really. Uh, it's 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 a high level VIP, uh, you know, social networking event. It is the uh, RES social event of the year. Um, really, really, really good in in central London. Um, and yeah, what a, what a guest of honor this year. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you say, it's it's just one of those great networking opportunities, isn't it? So yeah, that that's a social event. But of course, we've got all of our other conferences and events that we do during the course of the year as well. And yeah, a couple of weeks after the banquet, we've got a fantastic event. We have the Future Combat Air Summit, which I know is one you're particularly looking forward to, Tim. Yeah, well, I I looked at the, the I I I dived into the program for that. Obviously, we we. Um, we work on the magazine. We don't work on the the events here. We 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 have some input. And I looked at the the the, the lineup of speakers, and I was uh, my jaw just dropped uh, on that. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, you know, if if you if you got if I was sent this and uh, by by an external body and somebody said, oh, do you want to come to this conference? I'd be like, yep, yes, 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 please. <laughs> um, so really high level lineup of speakers, speakers from industry, the REF um academia i think is in there um but you know sort of space drones air power uh yeah. you name it future combat it's it's going to be fantastic i mean there's so much so yeah. much we could you know i say i i looked yeah. at this and i was i thought i thought crikey there's there's, there's no no stone left un, unturned on this <laughs> one um so that's, that's really, really... 23rd 20... 23rd 24th of may isn't it so i'll, I'll definitely be attending that one as well I'm yeah really yeah so uh, you look out for so, the coverage yeah. uh, we'll be covering that in 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 some depth so we're trying to get as much as as possible but future uh combat air and space summit uh reshq 23rd to 24th and also uh it won't this won't be a hybrid uh, thing you have to be there so i would i would you know my recommendation would be book up because it'll probably be a sellout you would think so, yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's probably a foregone conclusion. So, uh, but yeah, not 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 on Zoom. This one, this is an in-person event, like the good yeah. old days. Yeah. So, uh, 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 what else have we got coming up? We've got a deadline for the uh, medals and awards, haven't we? The Royal Aeronautical Society medals and awards. So that's thirty-first of May. If anybody's uh, thinking yeah. of putting anybody any names forward for the awards. Yeah. So the the the, the RAS medals and awards are the most prestigious. Well, I would say that, wouldn't I? But uh, they're one of those prestigious. <laughs> awards in the aeronautical uh, calendar in the aeronautical world and they are they're awarded to individuals and teams who have you know uh, advanced art science the engineering of aerospace and aeronautics or, or space you know so aviation yeah. space flight so what we're looking for there is people you know you can recommend people like colleagues friends uh, teams you know about who have 
uh, you know, made some sort of uh, breakthrough, might be a flight test, might be a, a record breaking flight, uh, might be a bit of technology, uh, mm -hmm. might be. So lots of lots of uh, categories there, including kind of academic papers and things like that. Um, so have, have a look at the have a look at the medals and awards. And if there's anyone there who uh, you think you know is deserving, uh, that's the, your chance to, to get them in and, and, and nominate them. Uh, so deadline 31st of May. Um, OK, so and um, then talking deadlines, we've got another more imminent one. Have we 28th of April? We've got the Falcon 2 initiative. Yeah, so that is a competition. Uh, it's a, well, a, 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 a STEM initiative that uh, we are doing with uh, Arability. And that is a initiative to for schools to help design a flight simulator for disabled or, or less abled bodied people. So Aerability does a lot of work in, in disabled flying and yeah. they use specially modified aircraft. Uh, but the 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 goal there is to, to well, what about a flight simulator? What about a converted flight simulator? So how, how would you yeah. go about designing that from scratch? So really, a really interesting kind of design project for young people, inclusive. Um, and so the deadline has been extended there to 20th of, 20th of April. We want more details. Go on our website or type in Falcon 2 initiative. That will take you to the, the project page. You can uh, you can find out how to get involved. Um, OK, is it my turn to ask something? Yeah, you asked me. <laughs> uh, so we've got a new, new CEO, CEO of LAA, apparently. Yeah, Light Aircraft Association, Steve Slater, is retiring. Congratulations, Steve. A, a, a career well worth retiring from. You've done a fantastic job and awarded the MBE last year as well. But uh, handing over the Light Aircraft Association to Simon Tilling. Now, I, I know Simon very well. We've uh, flown together in the past. Simon's got an interesting collection of aeroplanes. Um, including a, a Navian, North American Navian. Um, but uh, he takes over in April as CEO of the Light Aircraft Association and he's got very big shoes to step into. So um, looking forward to seeing what Simon does for the LAA. But, uh, yeah, I, I, meant, I meant to say we we're talking about the places we've been. I was down in London last week for the helicopter investor event Tim. all oh, right um which I, I i think i've seen i don't think i've really seen you since we went down because we've been mostly working remotely lately um what a fantastic event I and mean, really really interesting um it's in Ken one of the hotels in kensington um, but i met up with fresh to Pazam, who is the um the developer she works well she's founded light aviation l-y-t-e light aviation to create the sky bus and the sky truck and this is a tilt wing, what she's referring as a heavy VTOL. So I thought I was intrigued what a heavy VTOL was. But uh, what Freshter is trying to do is you know, we, we look at eVTOLs and, and urban air mobility at the moment, and they're sort of maybe two, three, four seat flying taxis, if you like. What she's aiming with the Skybus is to create a 40 seat flying bus that will almost be the, the National Express or the Greyhound bus that will take you city to city uh, and then a spin-off of that which will be a, a, a truck version but it, it's a really interesting design in that it's got four turboprop engines and then it's got four hybrid hydrogen electric engines on it as well with a, a full two tandem tilting wings so um it's a very interesting looking concept and having spoken to uh, to fresher uh, both at the at the event and then afterwards i think she won't mind me describing her as a dreamer 
you know, this, this is her dream. She, she learned to fly and she's just, she, this is her vision for air mobility of the future. So this, I think, will be um, be one to keep an eye on. Um, I think there's, um, you know, there's a lot of development to go, go ahead on this, but um, she's certainly got the drive and the passion for it. So sort of like a, an updated 21st century fairy rotodyne then, just without just without the howling w- without the howling noise. That's exactly the aircraft that she says so she's taken her inspiration from. But yes, as you say, hopefully significantly quieter than the than the rotodyne. Well, we're just digressing um, digressing slightly as we 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 knew this was going to happen anyway. Digressing slightly <laughs> is that at the at the Avro Heritage Museum, I saw a a. A model. They had a, they had a, 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 a whole cabinet there of what ifs. Avro oh, yeah. Avro what ifs, and one of those was from the eighties, and it was a a V twenty two in civil colours as an airliner, and it was it was ah. marked as a British aerospace project. That's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh. So I, I've been I've been googling this a bit, trying to find out more. So well, when did when did British Aerospace have have decided to get involved in the you know in, involved in the in V twenty twos and and what have you. Um, but it must have been a instrument project. You know, people must have been. So I think it's about sort of you know late eighties maybe as to oh we've got the V twenty two. What what else could you do with it? Yeah, well it's it's a it's a, it's a VTOL airliner, isn't it? You know. So anyway, well, yes. Um, what, <laughs> so what how, rash, how was what you? Rash, I've not, yeah, I've not been. Yeah, I've not been. Oh, let's start again. I've not been to that museum. Avro Heritage. Is it worth going to? It certainly is. Yes, definitely. Oh, it's one of the few yeah. I've not managed to get to. Yeah, um, so, okay. lots of interesting stuff. There's a, a full scale. Um, uh, well, there's Roy Chadwick's desk there. For, for, uh, there's a full scale oh, wow. um, uh, fuselage of a, of a Lancaster you can clamber into. Uh, okay. There's obviously an, an Avro, Avro Vulcan parked outside. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's cutaways and models. There's the Avro Atlantic airliner. So basically, what happens when you if you turned a V bomber into an airliner? Um, <laughs> A, a, a two-engined, uh, a twin-engine BA-146, again, it's sort of a what-if that didn't get made, okay. uh, and uh, old cockpit sections of um, Vulcan, uh, Canberra, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, and there's oh, okay. a, also, there's an interesting, um, gosh, interesting sort of Indian uh, uh, kind of connection as well with Avro, is is one of the, the uh, um, one of their engineers, well, first engine, one of the first aeronautical engineers in India, worked on something called an Avro Type F, I think. It was first enclosed cabin monoplane to fly uh, okay. in 1912. Yeah. So, no, brilliant, brilliant museum, really friendly people. Okay. You know, if you're in the vicinity of uh, the Northwest, uh, Stop, uh, uh, it's kind of Stockport. Go and have a look. It's a, it's a bit confusing where to get to because it's on, it's on this obviously the old site of the Lancaster factory and and and, mm-hmm. and what have you. It's now a housing estate, so you might be a bit baffled when you get the uh, the sat nav directions as to am I going in the right direction? <laughs> right. Okay. I'll bear that in mind. Um. Uh, yeah. What of um. What of a uh, air show season is is coming coming closer and closer. What what uh, what air shows are you looking forward to? Flying Legends is back. Oh, Flying yes. Legends is back. I say again, Flying Legends is back. <laughs> this is incredible. What fantastic news. And moving to Church Fenton. Yeah. Or, or, or Leeds East, I think Leeds we should call East, it nowadays, yes. shouldn't we? But uh, yeah. the former RAF Church. What a what fantastic news. I've really missed Flying Legends. You know, as much as I enjoy working on aerospace, 
and writing about all the latest developments in aerospace i'm i'm a warbird guy that's uh that's where i really cut my teeth in the in the aviation world and um really looking forward to to seeing those mass formations and the and the balbo again at flying legends and the guys at flying legends have very kindly given us some tickets as prizes for the quiz Ooh. on the 20th of april so um we've got tickets for legends brilliant all right fantastic mm. um yeah no it's, it's just great to have them i mean you know covid covid was was, was just a, a a rotten experience all round yeah. Uh, and, you know, sort of like in-person events, air shows being cancelled. It's still still having knock-on events now, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of, you know, effects now with, with display teams kind of, uh, you know, kind of going under and, and, and uh, folding. Yeah. But just be brilliant, just be brilliant to, to go out there and just have, uh, you know, one, two days of watching, you know, Spitfires and P-47s and what have you just tear up the sky. Brilliant, yeah. Um, yeah. what else but I think is... we're we're back to yeah the, the the thing I really like about the air show um, circuit in the UK is that we've got that great mix. You've got Flying Legends, which is your your World War Two warbirds and post war piston powered warbirds. Then you've got Riat, the Royal International Air Two, which that's shaping up nicely now. I, I noticed the um, the Spanish team has confirmed recently Patria Aguila. Right. Um, we've got the Swedish Gripen and obviously the RAF assets there as well. Belgian F sixteen. So Riat's uh, looking good as well. Um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got the, what I call the family friendly shows. And yeah, the, my favourite of these is the Midland Air Fest. Uh, I, I don't know whether you've been to Midland, Tim. It's at Ragley Hall, which is in Worcestershire. So right, you imagine no. you're in the grounds of a stately home, small grass airstrip. But then you've got a full blown air show taking place. Where, so they've got the Red Arrows, they've got the Typhoon. But then they've got lots of smaller aeroplanes as well, some of which can actually operate from the grounds of the stately home. And uh, Trev Graham uh, organises Midland, and it's one of those. It's again, we talked about Reno having a different um, audience demographic. If you look around Midland Airfest, there's lots of families there. It's a great way to um, to get kids involved in in aeroplanes and aerospace. And Rolls Royce this year have got a big STEM village there, so um, I'm really looking forward to that. And again, Trev has very kindly donated some tickets to Midland Airfest to the quiz as well. So. Those quizzers have got the chance to uh, to win tickets to both Flying Legends and Midland Airfest. So brilliant! Well, thanks so much. That's yeah. yeah, that's nice of them to support us. Uh, but then we've got tra- we've yeah. got trade shows as well, haven't we? We've got Paris coming up and Aero Friedrichshafen. Yeah, so obviously uh, uh, this this summer coming up this year is the the Paris Air Show. We'll be there. We'll be uh, covering the show in our usual style. Um, so uh, trying to bring you all the upcoming news. Uh, and again, it, it's it's kind of the first show after uh, well, first Paris after you know sort of mm-hmm. two years of COVID. The aerospace industry is is bouncing back. Uh, people are struggling to uh, the, the supply chains are struggling to keep up. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be there bringing you all the hot news and highlights. Yeah, so uh, yeah. To it. It's, yeah, it's my first Paris. I've, I've done Farmer on many occasions, but this will be my first Paris. So uh, I'm looking forward to being thrown in at the deep end there. That's going to be uh, be a great experience. Definitely, yeah. Right, so I think we're we're, we're coming to the end of this now. But uh, just a quick sort of like personal uh, kind of um, sort of like a quiz, I suppose. Uh, what what have you been reading, watching, listening, playing this month? And anything that uh, anything. <laughs> Uh, up, up. Well, I, I know, know you're. About? I know you're a. I know you're a big flight simmer, so I'll leave that one down to you. But um, the the book that's on my desk at the moment is um, by Yulia Mendel, 
and it's called The Fight of Our Lives. And Yulia Mendel was President Zelensky's press secretary on the run up to the war and in the early days of the war. And it's a real eye opener into what was going on in Ukraine just prior to the invasion and a real eye opener into Zelensky the man. So um, yeah. you know, that's I'm about two thirds of the way through that at the moment. And that's um, that's a really, really good read. Um, just what I'm listening to. Um, I commute into uh, to the. I live up in halfway between Nottingham and Derby, so I've got uh, regular train journeys to and from the office at to the Royal Aeronautical Society. So uh, I'm very much into my podcasts, and um, I'm listening to Battleground Ukraine religiously at the moment. That's just gone to um, twice weekly. And in fact, Yulia Mendel, who did the uh, the Fight of Our Lives book, was a guest on uh, the Battleground Ukraine podcast um, with um, Sol David and Patrick Bishop. So um, I'm. Uh, I'd have to thank them for introducing me to uh, to that book. So uh, there's a, a synergy there between the book and the podcast. Uh, what about you, Tim? I know you're uh, you're more of a gamer than me. What are you playing at the moment? Yeah. So well, I, I, another another vote for Battleground podcast, uh, Battleground Europe, uh, Battleground. Is it, is it just called Battleground? Battleground um, Ukraine. Yeah. So that that book that was really interesting. I mean, there was one one uh, episode that was was recently where there was a, a reporter there who who'd witnessed and and you know this this must be gosh. Um, really really rare but he'd, he'd witnessed air-to-air combat over ukraine over yeah. the front line of ukraine of something coming over at a high altitude from the east turning around so this is contrails he, he was he was mm-hmm. he was describing watching but he, he turned around and u-turn wasn't a missile and then got shot down by a missile from the you know fired wow. by the ukrainians yeah um and you know they obviously you you hear Things about uh, you know Battle of Britain and people watching dogfights from the ground in in, in London and uh, you know all oh, high calls going down and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, to, to go there and sort of see it firsthand, yeah, that, that was quite an, uh, sort of an, an eye opener. Um, yeah, what have I been been watching, listening, playing? Um, so listening to podcasts, obviously a big uh, thing of podcasts. Uh, so Aviation Extended. Uh, you may have heard my. Uh, voice on ex- extended uh, <laughs> before, but that's a that's another aviation podcast that uh, I like to support. I do in uh, my uh, my very small spare time. Um, uh, watching, been watching. Um, so inside the, oh, I'm going to go to just check the title there. But there's, there's, a, there's a a documentary series on uh, UK. I say no, it's not terrestrial TV, but it's inside the Hornby factory or inside the um, the. the the uh, the Hornby the toy fa- inside the toy factory. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the obviously one of the 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 uh, the modelling firms or the toy firms there is Epix. Ah. So right. you, okay. you get a uh, it's a really interesting TV series and you get a, an insight into how um, you know uh, how these these plastic models that we all know and love we've all grown up with how they're put together how they, how they're modelled today. Uh, and there was a great one recently, the, the other week on on uh, doing the the 124 scale uh, Spitfire, which is their flagship model for for, yeah, uh, yeah. for 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 this year. You know, this is not this is not a promo for FX. I'm not expecting them to send me a 24 <laughs> scale, but uh, amazing. So we've got this guy who had he was he was going down to Biggin Hill and was let loose on the the Spitfires there, and the thing he really oh, okay. wanted to see, because obviously it'd be 124 scale, because because now you've got um, 
you know, you've got things like laser scanning, you've got 3D printing, you can get far more, you can pack far more detail into the, the I mean, the last, the last Spitfire, the last 125th Spitfire, I think was, um, or the first one was, uh, was a, like a Mark 1 that was 60s, 70s. Um, yeah. Uh, so you can pack much more detail. So he was he what he was particularly interesting in 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 gathering data on and taking photos was um, you know the inside the cowling you know how the mm-hmm. how the 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 uh, the engine goes t- together where all the ducts go where all the wires go um, you know oh, which gee. bits behind there. So he he was going you know he was let loose on on the uh, you know um, the the Spitfires there at uh, Biggin Hill Heritage Hangar uh, to go and, and, and make this amazing model and, and now it's a you know Spitfire Mark Nine you know um, really really um, I wish I wish I got the time to to do it because uh, you know, <laughs> I wish I got day. the talent to do it yeah yeah well, I do not have the talent I'm afraid um, um, oh yeah really interesting so in, in flight sims so um, uh, flight sims I'm a keen flight simmer for my um, and I'm I'm just working up to the courage I've been getting back into the DCSF14 uh, which is uh, amazing fun um, mm-hmm. they've they've just brought a recent patch out on DCS which has uh, upped everyone's frame rates uh, they've they've done something called multi threading so uh, computer cores they have separate threads they have multi threads uh, and previously DCS was all doing on one uh, which was um, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but not but failing at the moment. But um, they're spreading out the the workload basically. The the, the CPU, your CPU is trying to come up. So as a result, everything plays a, a lot smoother. Uh, the frame rates keep up, and uh, getting back into the F14 is, is is really really good fun. And uh, I'm just working up the courage or the uh, the skills to attempt one of the uh, the DLC campaigns. Of uh, there's one that came out recently called Speed and Angels, which puts you through the the rag like a 1980s or 1990s rag and it's based on a, a documentary speed and angels have you seen the speed angels yes yeah 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 so it's, it was it was put together with the the guy who did that oh wow oh who, who was a, who was an, an f14 instructor yeah and he's basically helped uh the the uh the developer build the most authentic you know kind of training you know, training <laughs> campaign. You know, multi-mission training campaign that you you fly, uh, and it's supposed to be very, very hardcore. So yeah, wow. I'll have to have a Pro- go at that. Proper attention to detail as well. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> I love that. So right, and of course the other pod- the other podcast that we just have to mention very briefly is the uh, we have ways of making you talk. Yeah, big fans of James and and Al, and yes. they've been big supporters of, of the uh, the Scampton campaign as well. So um, they have. I know yeah. James has James particularly has been uh, writing to politicians and put a big letter together. So. Uh, yeah, that's um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Hope well. So we're um, now Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully, we'll get some news on that fairly soon. Yeah, brilliant. Right. Well, I think brilliant. we are just just about done. And this this was supposed to be no, I get, I get another, and it was supposed to be another short talk, wasn't it? But um, <laughs> um, where where can people keep up with keep up to date with the 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 Royal Aeronautical Society, the magazine, and us online? Well, we have a big Twitter presence. Uh, both uh, you and I. I'm on Steve B. Sorry, R A E S Steve B. So Royal Aeronautical Society R A E S Steve B. And Tim, you're similar, aren't you? R A E S Tim R. Yep. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, aerosociety.com is our website. Um, regular insight blogs, our twice weekly insight blog on there, as well as um, content about the magazine as well. Definitely, yep. And uh, obviously, we're on the the, the society is on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and and what have you. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, Head along to aerosociety.com and uh, check us out. 
Right. Until next Excellent. month. Right. That seemed to go well. Yeah. We'll see you. <laughs> All right. Go- Thanks, Tim. Cheers. Bye-bye.